Hey, I'm Ty Snaith, and this is A World of One's Own, a series of conversations with women and non-binary artists I respect and admire. The episode you're about to listen to is from Season 1, which was originally called A World of Her Own. It was part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at ACCA. For more information about the podcast and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2, head to tysnaith.com. And now, here's the episode. I think that having got here and having had children, I, I actually do have something real and valid to say yeah. and, and that it is missing mm. in, in the world and I'm, going, I'm one of those people that's trying to put it out there mm. and it's got social value. Hi, I'm Ty Snaith and this is A World of Her Own, a series of conversations with Australian women artists I respect and admire. Today I'm chatting with one of my all-time art heroes, visual artist and sculptor Patricia Piccinini. In my opinion, she's up there as Australia's most successful living female artist. Patricia represented Australia at the 2003 Venice Biennale at the age of 37 and has even been awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Melbourne Art Foundation in 2014. I could go on to mention numerous other prizes, international exhibitions and commissions, but the list is seriously too long. In our frank conversation, we traverse the rich years of motherhood, postnatal depression and the hard task of keeping your finger in all the pies and supporting a studio through it all. We talk about her time observing animal mothers in nature, researching obese sows, huge mother pigs who often roll over and accidentally squash their piglets. Oof. We talk about donkeys evolving into whales with underwater milk, thick and sticky like toothpaste. Patricia makes me realise that not only do we learn from and use creatures, we are creatures ourselves. We talk about the rarely discussed areas of menstruation and menopause and owning and celebrating your fecundity as a human. Underneath all this messiness and rawness is a carefully sculpted career. A hard-fought and well-deserved story of success, held together by a backbone of unique and exquisite works that Patricia herself describes as finely crafted love letters to her audience. So you've been in the studio today? Yes, in the morning, yeah. Do you, do, do you go to the studio every day? Most days, but I do work a lot at home as well. On a computer? On my dining room table. Oh, really? Yeah. How does your family deal with the dining room table being taken over? Uh, not well. We then eat on the kitchen table, which is a lot smaller. But it actually is good if I work there because in the evenings, um, then Hector, my son, will join me. And often Roxy, my daughter, will as well. And we oh. all will listen to podcasts and draw. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful experiences of my motherhood doing that all together doing it together yeah so it's actually kind of integral that you work on the dining room table for for your family well yes and also it's um a time when i am with my children doing something Mm. um where we share something i'm not telling them to clean their rooms or do their exercises or whatever that you know they have to do um 
it's a it's a time where we're doing things and they can see me doing my things and I can say, Oh, this is crap. And they can see me fail. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then they when they come to me and, and say, Oh, um, what do you think? I can say, Oh, I love this and I I, mm. I love that and 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 but it doesn't they don't have the sense of it having to be uh, even finished perfect or perfect yeah, yeah. Yeah. somewhere yeah that process of failing yeah. is so important isn't yeah it? yeah they see me do that a lot yeah I mean I work from home also and I feel like my kids see me go through a whole gamut of different yeah. emotions and I remember when my kids were really little they'd say what are you, but what are you doing and I'd say I'm writing an email to this person and tell them what the email was yeah. it seems crazy but I think that idea of they need to see that yeah, yeah. And, and also for a woman to be working through their children growing up for me was really important and obviously for you too mm. did you ever feel any um sort of pressure to put your practice on hold at all uh yes I did uh because um because after the birth of my second child, I had a really, oh, I'd suffered from postnatal anxiety and, and um, ended up in hospital and, um, yeah, and so good. yeah, no, that was pretty bad. Postnatal anxiety and depression. So, uh, and it wasn't because I didn't want my daughter. I wanted her. I was just really anxious that something would happen to her. Yeah. So, um, and I think that was just, you know, just a whole lot of other things as well. Um, so I did, I did have to slow down for sure. Yeah. And did you, do you think, um, I mean, I feel like I did also suffer from postnatal depression and interestingly also with my second child, not my mm. first. It's much harder with the second I child. Think so too. With one child, things are manageable. Mm. With two, it's much, much harder. Mm. And to continue yeah. that practice in the same way mm. that you did with the same kind of mm. tenacity or determination, it's almost like it's yeah. a, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but I also felt that there was a sense of like I needed to continue my work um, to, to help me work through those issues or to deal with that, um, not losing the sense of myself. Mm. I don't know if you felt that or if you needed the space to just get through. Did you stop working? No. No, you always kept working. Yeah. Mm. But I have a studio and I am ahead of the studio and I have to... Be there. Be there mm. and I have to um, provide work for people to do and I have to pay them. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to... Um, earn the money to mm. pay them mm. and that's my job so that that was a big thing for me yeah. yeah and so did did you talk to everyone that worked for you about that that what you were going through or did you just have to put on a brave face uh no I didn't talk to them but mm. about it but I guess um Peter just sort of took over more of the stuff that I was doing so he's my husband and partner mm. of now 30 years. Wow, that's great. I'm 52, mm. so we met when I was 22. Wow. Um, and so he just took over stuff that I was doing that I didn't well need to do. Yeah. To, to help preserve myself. your, yeah, your yeah. health. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's great, isn't it? I mean, it is. And that's yeah. how I managed to get through. Yeah. Supportive partners are pretty important to a lot of women that oh, I speak to. super important. Absolutely, if you're a woman artist, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of younger artists I speak to say, oh, do you think I can 
have a kid and have a practice and I always find myself saying I think anyone can but you really need to choose the person you do it with well absolutely man or woman you know yeah I, I, I agree and that's what I say to students as well if you do partner make sure that that person really understands what you do in your life and and why you do it and that they support you mm. because I've seen lots of women artists stop work mm. because they just haven't had the the not just financial but I guess more emotional support because mm. um, the idea is oh now that you've got the family you can devote yourself to the family you can give away your little hobby and yeah. you know it's, it was great well while it lasted but now you've got to grow up mm. yeah. um and you know just do your job and yeah. and you've got to and yeah it's and it's very hard to mm. get back to it I've seen a lot of that happen actually so have I lots of yeah. my peers going through that at the moment and it's yeah. sometimes I feel like I get quite outspoken about it but mm. yeah if I didn't have a supportive partner emotionally in lots of different ways yeah you know, willing to drop something if the kids are sick or to yeah. step in as well yeah I think it gets difficult when you're both really busy mm. but it's almost like you know you know what the other person needs and if if you're an artist you need to work as well it's yeah part of you and your life but on mm. that idea of well not idea but um journey of motherhood I guess a lot of your works um speak to me or like a deep part of my 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 psyche as a mother a lot of your works um with female uh animals <laughs> speak to me of that and mm. particularly like um I think the first one that really made me feel like that was the sky whale and there was so much about that work that I just loved but felt so conflicted in so many ways about that work but did you mm. think about motherhood during making that work or oh yes she is a symbol of maternity. Yeah. Um, and, and I think in the end that's what people kind of objected to. Really? I do, yeah. In what way? Well, I don't think it's just about the breasts. Like mm. she has ten breasts mm. and and that's what makes her a mammal. Mm. Um, all ma- that all mammals have breasts. Mm. And I think that people s- sexualised her. Really? Yeah. I do, and I and I'd look at them and think, okay, you've got a problem with breasts, and you're sexualizing this sculpture, which is got, which is not even a, which is not even a a woman. Mm. Like I had a, um, I had a, I had a politician in Tasmania, a woman actually, saying that this work was bad for bad for women because it had breasts. But women have breasts. Correct. And and we all need them to breastfeed our children. Yeah, and most people um, have been but, fed by them as well. Yeah. Well, hopefully we are, yeah. if we're lucky. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, she said, no, this is, this is, this is bad. This is bad for women. And, and I was just astounded. I couldn't see how, that, that, how it would be because I saw her as this beautiful, mm. benign, kind of gentle graceful Mm. mother figure Mm. um flying through the sky and that was her kind of identity and that that's what gave her this kind of warmth Mm. Um, i mean she also spoke about a whole bunch of other things like evolution and and you know how how nature is not here for us but we're just lucky to witness it (laughs) and that whales evolved from donkeys and they went into the sea um and they breathe, and they're not fish. It's amazing. Um, and they evolved breast milk that's like um, toothpaste. 
and they're extraordinary creatures and they could easily have gone into the sky. It's all about that as well. Yeah. But at its real core, Mm. she's this beautiful female nurturing figure yeah yeah mother figure it's like um it reminded me of a an animal version of a primitive um fertility symbol yeah and that and for me that was so beautiful that you can see it above all of the humanity as well but yeah it also did make me feel a bit sort of like it reminded me of that grotesque feeling that you often get not from myself, but that was projected onto me in early motherhood when I was breastfeeding in public, Mm. I I kind of something quite unconscious identified with me with that balloon because I felt like breasts were like this, these amazing gifts that, and I, I breastfed both of my children for for a couple of years. And and I felt like that was such a um, great thing to do, but I did experience that feeling of, feeling like this big like elephant in the room when you you know mm. got your hungry baby out which is the most natural thing to do yeah and in a restaurant once I did I, I thought that I'd heard the stories and I thought oh that won't happen to me but it did happen to me yeah and a, and a man sort of an older man looked at me and frowned at me and then his wife looked at me and frowned at me yeah and I just stared back at them and thought this is crazy that people still think that this is an ab- absurd or rude act or impolite or something yeah but for me it spoke of that big I mean it's the double-edged sword mothers are important and yet mothers are still undervalued undervalued yeah yeah and sometimes invisible a little bit invisible like I love that you made her so big and visible yeah but in some of your other works um and I don't forgive me I don't know the titles but the one with the breastfeeding or the feeding kind of a young family. Yes, young yeah. family, yes. Yeah. I identified with the feeling in that of the mother being stuck, that feeling when you're sort of stuck yeah. with them all on top of you. Yeah. Is that...? Well, um, well, the, the idea behind that work mm. is that um, she's a transgenic creature that's obviously being bred for kind of um, replacement parts. Mm-hmm. And so here she is, and she's tied. And I based her on a pig, and I was looking at pigs, mm-hmm. and this particular pig that I used as a model, she'd put on 150 kilos. Really? Yeah, just in pregnancy. And <sighs> she was really, really big. She, and when they're so pregnant, they can barely stand up. Mm. And um, she'd oh. squashed three of her 11 <gasps> children. They, this is very normal. This is what they do, pigs do. Just rolled over. Yeah, and they just squash, squash their kids. Um, and that's that's just nature, mm. and um, she, yeah, she was exhausted. And I tried to bring a little bit of that to the work, but this mother's obviously thinking, you know, what will what will happen to my offspring? Mm. Like, here we are. Mm. Um, you can control the process, this process of creating a a, a creature mm-hmm. that that will serve you in some way, just like we 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 change nature all around us mm. domesticate and and use creatures to serve us yeah. um you can you can control that process but mm. you can't control my feelings for my children mm. and and you know that's a big thing that yeah. that's a very big thing to be confronted by yeah, of course uh, we will never be able to um dominate that no and and, and that's sentient yeah. side of things. Yeah. I mean, I think that was surrogates, and I know it's a bit of a minefield ethically, but I could never imagine being a surrogate. I understand that people do 
and it's a thing. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, that, that kind of bond is pretty intense. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> More than anything else. Mm. But I think it's interesting you talk about that idea of control as well. Like that was the first time I realised that I could, ha- I, I had to sort of hand over control was through that process of having making a child and having a child mm. where I wasn't fully in control of it and that baffling nature of something growing yeah you telling it to yeah oh. it's so beautiful it's so mysterious and magical and yeah it is it is an amazing thing to feel someone inside of you mm. moving around yeah I just think that 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 is just not valued very it's much not, no it's yeah. not valued in, in popular culture that's for sure did you receive any kind of um negative response from the outside world or the art world you know through having your children did you note any kind of like oh give us some time because we don't want to ask you to do too much because you're having a baby well i mean <laughs> the art industry is not a an industry of i mean it's not a, it's, it's an industry of scarcity. I mean, yeah. there, are, there isn't enough to go around. If no. you drop out, then you drop out. Mm, you're gone. Yeah, mm. exactly. And there's always going to be someone that will take up that space. <laughs> it's interesting, now that my children are 13 and 10, just in the last few, actually, months, I've been going out more because mm. I feel I can leave them at night, but I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and I've realised, and I've looked around, I thought, gosh, I haven't been in these situations, these openings and get-togethers and parties or whatever it is mm. for like a decade, more than a decade, and it's because I've had children. Mm. Um, and I look around and I think, oh, all these people here, they don't have children. No, I know. They just don't. Yeah. And and actually these situations are quite important. Yeah, they are. Because that's yeah. where things well, get meet done. people. And if, yeah, exactly. like that's where conversations happen yeah. and that's how you kind of – plan things get things happening you yeah even at at this stage in my career having made work for you know 25 years I still need to drive it like I could drop out tomorrow and I feel no one would care no no one would care I don't know oh true I I I drive what happens yeah Yeah, absolutely I I mean I see it as well but I do think that there's this kind of weird guilt that's put on mothers and even creative mothers where you're sort of supposed to be there for both of those worlds. You're supposed to be this kind of like, well, you want to be a great mother, but you also want to be there and represent yourself and your work yeah. and go to those openings. And I remember yeah. feeling that same tension and mm. feeling like, ah, you know, like how do you get that balance right? And not, you were very lucky because your practice was established, you that, know? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of women, the age that you are when you have your first child, it's like if you're 29 or 32 even your practice might not even be off the ground yet no i'd been to venice by the i I was 39 and 41 and i'd already been to venice had a gallery in america yeah um it was i would really i I was set up but having a child at 39 is not not i wouldn't recommend it and the only reason why i had that child is because i had infertility problems okay but i i mean i wouldn't i generally wouldn't leave it that late because you're tired. Yeah, you're tired. It's yeah. very tiring. Yeah. But for you, I mean, in some ways that allowed you to have all of that first. Yeah. And that, I, mean, I worked very silver, hard, yeah. Yeah, and that's the silver lining, isn't it? I yeah. mean, yeah, that's the payoff is that you're really tired when you're older. Yep, you're really, yeah. But you were a young 39 as well. 
don't know. You still look like you're 39 now. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Some people have different types of energy at different points in their life as yeah. well. So on those different points of your life, um, one of the things that has been coming up a bit is just that ability to look back at your life of work or your body of work throughout your life um, as a woman mm. and have a type of do you feel like you have a type of perspective now across your practice that maybe you don't have in your 30s or 20s like is that do you think about that the different stages of your life of work uh well well it's in a continuum for me mm. i feel like i working through similar ideas i've still haven't solved a lot of the kinds of uh, problems <laughs> um, that I'm trying to deal with. Yeah. It's an ongoing um, expansion of, of one core set of ideas. Yeah, yeah. And what would you, I mean, what is that core question for you? Well. Um, Not to just, you know, it's, it's a hard no, question. No, no, yeah. where does it all germinate from? Yeah. Well, I, I often talk about the distinction between what we consider natural and what we consider artificial and that actually does that I say it because that actually does inspire me and it continues to inspire me Mm. um and the idea that sometimes it really doesn't matter Mm. if something is not natural Mm. um and yeah that that interests me Mm. interests me a lot and I think it relates a lot in in a lot of ways to um, women yeah how we kind of relate to each other um, how we, um, how even how we look, produce, how we, how, we, how we look, yes, mm. yeah. And do you think, I mean, I immediately think of, you know, those really early works you did with the, the ear yeah, and the, the mice, and I think I remember studying them and writing about it at art school, and just that idea of female identity as well, which is very mm. much now almost acceptable for it to be tampered with, or mm. it's sort of like you get to a certain age yeah. where it's it's almost kind of a defiant act to just to age naturally. Mm. I mean, I find with even with things like going grey, I'm starting to go grey, and that thing where people say, "Oh, but once you do, you'll you know you won't be able to. You'll have to just die." It's sort of like this weird unspoken expectation that women can't age. Just naturally, yes, and there are very few examples um, in in the popular media mm. of women who are aged, not mm. just have aged naturally, <laughs> no, yeah, but are aged. <laughs> they just don't exist. Yeah, yeah. So there are very few um, role models of women just not just doing it successfully, just doing it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, I agree with you. And sort of, it's almost like a radical act to be an older woman in the still active and still as, um, you yeah. know, on the front foot and, and almost like, I don't know, it's a funny thing about women after, I reckon it starts when you have children. I think after that, maybe there's some, some primal thing where you're not useful anymore after that, you've served a purpose. Or... Yeah, look, I, I understand that, especially uh, since... Um, you know, I'm 52, so I'm, I'm around menopause, which, where, which is a time where you lose your fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a 
big thing because mm. I loved um, and still love <laughs> menstruating, mm. um, and I uh, because it gives me a chance to reinvent myself every month. Yeah, and um, yeah, it it really does. Mm. I can start again. Yeah, it's a and, cycle. Yeah, yeah, mm. and I I love the the way I feel at different times of the month and mm. yeah and I I'll probably miss that I think and it's just a beautiful thing to be made aware of your fecundity mm. you know your 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 potential to reproduce and here's the evidence and mm. you know you're you're in, in line yeah you're in line with everything else the natural sort of forces of the world yeah um I just really love that so yeah I mean it is it it is uh, a kind of grief, but at the same time, I think that having got here and having had children, I I actually do have something real and valid to say, yeah, and and that it is um, missing mm. in in the world, and I'm going I'm one of those people that's trying to put it out there, mm. and it's got social value. Of course, because it's yeah. relevant to everyone in the population that's been born. Yeah. But it's interesting because um, someone else that I spoke to, Catherine Haddam, we had a long discussion similar but about the domestic and about portraying the, the domestic in her paintings yeah. or that sphere and how um, it's essentially the most politically charged place that we can be because we all identify with it. We, You know, those first family structures are all about politics of hierarchy yeah. or yeah. purpose and yet in the outside world or the way that that's deemed is that, you know, things like a domestic scale or, you know, tables and chairs are sort of like this women's world that is not that, it's not a big picture kind of mm. um, issue. But really it's the biggest picture issue, isn't it? But the, do you yeah. think in any way that putting that sort of instinct or that maternal, those notions around the complex nature of having children as well, is that something you consciously politically think about pushing or is it just comes out of you? naturally well i think my work is actually quite political mm. it's not overtly political as in it doesn't have slogans in it saying yeah. stop the bomb or something <laughs> like that yeah. which is what i grew up with yeah um that that kind of activism mm. and feminism mm. and i still believe in in that way of of being yeah. and doing but it doesn't that's not how i make art mm. but i think that um my work has a real uh, feminine voice yeah. um, and some of the important things that I do that I think are quite feminine yeah. is that it's um, it's I talk about things that are um, that we are you know we deal with like nurturing mm. As mm. infants mm. especially and care mm. and and um, warmth like my work is pretty warm. Mm, yeah. Like if you aren't warm with your children, you can't. Mm. They're, they're just not going to respond to you. Mm. Like even if they're acting up, you can't tell them off because then. I mean, you do have to tell them the way to 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 be, but you can't. You can't scream and shout at them because they won't hear they you. Won't hear you. You have to do it in a way that they can hear you, and mm. that has to involve a kind of warmth. Mm. Like they an animal to... voice, isn't it? It's the, yeah. the way that you speak to – I mean, I grew up with lots of animals, and I feel like that's the first lesson in trying to communicate with children is mm. is before you have language, there's a different type of communication, and that animals share that 
a sort of trust and that um, eye contact and warmth and yeah. um, sort of reaffirmation or um, you know th- mm. those kinds of things and I think yeah. as a woman we all take it for granted that you learn that as soon as you have a kid you, you have to learn that pretty quickly you do. Like, why is it crying what's yeah. wrong with it yeah <laughs> can't tell you it's right and yeah. and I guess I mean not to to discredit fathers because a lot of them learn that too but yeah, it's almost like of course yeah. yeah but I think as a woman you if you want to breastfeed your child you have to yeah you have to be connected yeah, yeah not just physically and that kind of connection I think is integral with with audiences and your work like that's um mm. something that people obviously can, people connect with your works yeah and that's intentional for me yeah uh, and I, it's really interesting with all this Harvey Weinstein stuff mm. that's been coming out um, they have all this um, stuff around, and one of his directors, one of the quotes of his directors uh, that works for him said, oh, filmmaking is like having sex. If if the person gets something out of it, that's great. That's a plus. And I just thought to myself, yeah, it's no. like, <laughs> like you're going to fucking masturbate all over this person, inside of this person. You're not even going to connect with them no. because you don't give a shit whether they actually have any have, get anything out of it that and because we're all meant to be happy that you've done this all oh, over yeah. us or in the pot know, plant yeah wherever <laughs> and exactly and we're all meant to be happy that we can just witness your great genius you know it's like seminal uh, genius, uh, yeah and this is how stuff gets mm, made yeah. with this kind of intention mm. like if you get something out of it great was my bonus, bonus. <laughs> whereas for me it's like okay well Here's the artwork. Mm. Um, what it is, it's like this finely crafted love letter mm-hmm. to the viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to it's going to not tell people what to think. Mm. Uh, it's going to be accessible on different in different ways. It's going to have levels. Like it's going to have an aesthetic level. Yeah. Like oh, it's going to be made really well. Yeah, of course. You know, and that's an aesthetic. These are all aesthetic decisions mm. that need to be made about the work. Mm. It's going to have a conceptual level, um, and a lot of a lot of the things I talk about are ethical. Yeah, like is it right that we change nature in this way, and yeah. what is a good enough reason to change nature? Yeah, that that's that's a basic question that I ask. Mm. And then it's going to have an emotional level. Mm. Uh, that's where my work re- that's really the big exp- one. Ex- yeah, and not not everyone gets to that level. No, um, and at that level. I am there and I will hold you in this emotion. Mm. I will not make you feel bad. I will not guilt Mm. you, make you feel shitty about yourself. We'll look to you. No. And I also Mm. will give you space. Mm. You can you can look at me and think I'm grotesque. (laughs) You can do that. Yeah. I will I will I will show you. And I can but I can also bring you in because um I am beautiful and I will engage your empathy. And in that dynamic between push and pull, there mm. is a space for you as a viewer to mm. be yourself. Like, I, I'm yeah. not going to do this I'd to you. I'd go one step further and say it needs it needs you as a viewer. It almost... Oh, it's, it, my work doesn't exist yeah. without the viewer. Mm. Like, it just, like, it's a catalyst for our conversation, for relationships, for for growth. That's so, yeah. Cultural growth. Yeah. That's how I see my work. If I, if I didn't... It's not... Like, my work is not about me. Mm. Like, it's, you know, what happens to me or my identity or my mm. memories or whatever. Yeah. It's actually about building culture. Yeah. 
um, and understanding and connections yeah. and about really yeah. fundamental things. In human nature. Yeah. yeah. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, just which is specific to you, um, is that recently I did some work for an advertising agency and they proudly um, showed me your work that you did for them. It was almost like, oh, an artist, <laughs> like, come and have a look at that. And I said, oh, I, but yeah, I know, of course I know Patricia's work. But I, they were so proud of that work. Cleminger's. Yeah, Cleminger, and yeah. of that work, what was the name of the Graham. character? Graham. For, t- for the TAC. Yes, yes. which yes. was incredible and hilarious. Mm. Um, but it did make me think, I mean, for me it's been, sometimes I find that commercial world a little bit confronting as an artist because I I feel like there's a lot more compromise involved and there's a lot it's a different thing it's a completely different beast you're using a set of skills that you have mm-hmm. but it's for this other world you know what I mean mm-hmm. um can you talk about how you I guess yeah how you come at that or deal with those internal concerns well I mean I took on that project because um I really was interested in what the ideas that they were wanting to promote in the community mm. and that idea is specifically we need to slow down on the road. <laughs> yeah. I'm very interested in that idea yeah. because in my family my cousin died and she was a, a really young girl on the road. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. So I I yeah. know the pain mm. of losing someone uh, on the road mm. and uh, it's tremendous. It's unimaginable. I think. Yeah. So, um, but they came to you with that. Yeah. Brief. Yeah. So, I, first of all, I yeah. value that idea yes. to work towards. So you have to tick that box first. Sure. Yes. If if, if Coke came to me yeah. and said we want to push this drink, I'd be saying no. no. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And I have been approached to do things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By advertising agencies. So you have before. a set of criteria that it needs to. It needs to tap into something you feel passionate about. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And and so that was the first thing. Mm. And the second thing is um, I, have, I have to do projects mm. to run my studio. Yeah. Yeah. We Everybody we needs to, to eat. Exactly. So I have to do things like this. It's I really... can't, can't just sit back and think, um, oh, this new sculpture that I made, which <laughs> is of this it. sort of... Uh, yeah, a lot of my work doesn't get doesn't get um, bought. Mm. It just doesn't. It, this, yeah. I just find it. This is why I wanted to ask you because I agree. I think mm. there's this a bit of a fallacy sometimes that people, you know, you you are the most successful female artist in Australia. So there's this fallacy that once you reach that level, well, you just do what you do, and there's no other. You don't have to do other work. But it's you you do have to do other work. But we don't. People don't talk about that at art school. And maybe that's changing now, but it's just good to say, yes, there's this other work that's out there that you can financially support other parts of your practice because yeah. I think in a similar way. You know, I'm my, I don't think I am the most successful financially. Okay, but that's not how I deem success. So Sure, <laughs> but, but I might be at this point time yeah um very present in in our culture yeah and that will go up and down like it's been down yeah and but, it goes up and down and at I the guess, moment i'm having a you know a kind of a bit of a yeah you can you can give you yeah. can take a compliment it's okay but <laughs> well, it's but, but but what i'm saying is that there's that 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 success isn't necessarily like 
you know, pinning financial figure onto that isn't what it's about for me. And and for no. actually for a lot of women that respect you, it's not about how much your sculptures pay for. I don't even know. Um, sell for, you know. Yeah. It's about the fact that you've you've worked out your own way to keep doing it. Yeah. And to stay present. And yeah. sometimes that includes doing other work that uses your skill set. Yeah. But people don't talk about this. Well, I mean, when I said a lot of my work doesn't sell it, that's true. Because it's like a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't buy the sorts of things I make. They wouldn't put it in their lounge room, and that's and that's part of um, what I understanding of what art is. Mm. Like yeah, it, it's the so market's very very limited, limited and prominent. Yeah. You know, like what what is deemed as real art. Mm. Um, a lot of my work doesn't conform to that. It just doesn't. That's, so that's why it's important, though. But yeah, yeah, but it, still it is. Finds and so in, I have to. Yeah. F- but it does. It does. It it does live mm. in in the kind of um, imaginations and hearts of people, mm. just not in their homes. <laughs> you know. So I have to find ways to fund this work. Mm. Yeah, that was one of them. That was quite a good one because mm. you know it has social value. Yeah, and it, and it creates. Yeah, yeah and it. And it can help as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I could keep talking to you all day, but it's um, we've definitely reached our the end. Okay. Um, and thank thank you so much, and yeah, for spending some time and coming and having a chat with me. It's been great. Thanks. Patricia is one of those people who is somehow at once genteel and fierce. Both her person and her work exude ideas of intense nurturing and warmth. She has a kind of quiet knowing and understanding of her place in the world. And yet, she has fought and battled and hustled to be where she is. And we all know that that's not easy. I'm so encouraged and inspired by women like this. Knowing that it is, in fact, possible to sustain a successful creative career and a close and loving relationship with your children and your partner and not lose your mind in the process. Her devotion to her work and selfless commitment to her audience and furthering the discussions around moral dilemmas of science and ethics is awe-inspiring. I also love the idea of us all finding and becoming aged role models. You know, those ones we so often realise are invisible. Patricia is at the heart of a glowing list of real women who, in my mind, have it all. Working hard at what we do, embracing ourselves and our bodies even if we might have 10 breasts and a baby hanging off each one. This conversation was recorded for the series A World of Her Own as part of the exhibition Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art. It was recorded by me, Ty Snaith. I'm an artist for those of you who don't know my work. If you enjoyed exploring Patricia's world with me today, you might like to delve into some other worlds by downloading more episodes directly from the ACCA website. Visit www.acca.melbourne, where you will find the World of Her Own link under Programs, or from SoundCloud if you visit soundcloud.com forward slash ACCA underscore Melbourne. I would like to give a big thanks to Beck Fari for audio post-production and Melbourne musician Fia, spelt P-H-I-A, for letting us use this track, End of the Day, from her album The Ocean of Everything. Thanks for listening to this episode from Season 1. 
The podcast now lives at tysnaith.com, so head over there for more information about the show and the artists I'm speaking to in Season 2. And thanks again to Acker for all their support with Season 1.